0: people are talking about, this feels like a seminal moment, it feels different. It feels different because it's new to you. But if you go throughout history, we've had moments like this, where we're talking about people becoming equal, and a few people have become equal, but not for the majority. Well, we've all been
2: pushed around. Hello, and welcome to It's Complicated with Tanya Gooden, the podcast that helps you untangle your relationship with your phone.
1: We've all been pushed
2: this is a podcast about learning to live healthily and happily with technology and the digital world and about understanding why sometimes that's so hard to do. Because in learning how to step away from our phones more, we're actually learning how to focus more on our relationships our work and our health, leaving us happier, healthier and with hours more time in our day. I'm your host, Tanya Gooden, author and founder of Digital Wellbeing Movement, Time to Log Off. Each week, I'll be asking a new guest what they've learnt about themselves from the relationship they have with the tiny tyrant in their pocket, their smartphone. So it's the last episode in series five of the podcast, the last episode in, wow, what a year, 2020. So I wanted to finish this series and the year with going back to something that I covered in series four, racism and Black Lives Matter because I felt that although there had been a lot of noise about it in the middle of the year, things were slightly tailing off, and I really wanted us to have a chat about it again. So I decided to speak to somebody who has been talking about this subject for a very long time and is now using his social media platform to talk about it. So today I'm really excited that I'm talking to John Barnes, the English international former footballer and manager. He won two league titles and two cup finals at Wembley with Liverpool and he earned 79 caps for England. In 2007, 442 magazine named him Liverpool's best all-time player and in 2016, the Times voted him England's greatest ever left-footed player. By the time of John's last cap for England, which was in 1995, he had more caps than any other black England player. So, we had a chat about racism in football, inevitably, and about racism online and in the real world. And John was absolutely fascinating, talking about drawing a really clear line between unconscious and hidden racism. Not the obvious stuff, but the stuff that lies hidden beneath all of us. And his argument is that we are all unconsciously biased. And actually what we all need to do is confront that and admit it. And what we need is a really open and honest conversation about it. And not to be focusing so much on language, but the intent uh, behind what people are saying. And we, we talked about what's happened with Greg Clark. Just to quickly explain, if you don't know who Greg Clark is when we get to that bit in the podcast, he was the chairman of the Football Association and he resigned earlier on this month, November 2020, after making offensive comments while talking to MPs. So we talked about that. We talked about John himself being trolled on Twitter for his views and for the fact that he's calling out racism every time he sees it. And we also talked about what footballers could be using their absolutely huge social media platforms for obviously we talked about Marcus Rashford who has been using his platform really for good in the UK this year and has done some tremendous work but John's view is that actually these are big platforms now these huge social media platforms and all those footballers could be using that in a way to benefit their communities so it was such a fascinating chat with him as I said he's been talking about this for a very long time he's now talking about it on social media there are a lot of people listening to what he's saying and I think you're going to learn a lot from listening to our chat so thank you for listening to the fifth series of it's complicated and I hope you enjoy this final chat with John Barnes John, hi. Welcome. Hi, how are you doing? I was just just listening to really depressing radio news about the economy and it suddenly struck me that the only people that have had a good 2020 are Liverpool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got lots of injuries, lots of injuries and and people with COVID, so it's not going too great for us either.
2: (laughs) But still doing well, despite that, I feel. Absolutely. Well, that's football. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) So the reason I wanted to get you on is... I feel like you're using your platform, Twitter in particular, really well to raise awareness of racism, not just racism in football, but racism generally. And I wanted to talk to you a bit about that because I know I, I found an interview you did, I think only last year, where you said we shouldn't really be focusing on racism in football, we should be focusing on racism in society because football just reflects society. But it feels like in the last year, we have made a bit of progress with
0: calling out racism, but
2: football's still lagging a bit. So given that well, you're football, spending such a lot of time... One,
0: football is the only one that's calling it out. I don't know how football is lagging at all. Because every time, in terms of, look at people talking about Black Lives Matter, taking a knee, keeping the conversation going, where do we see it? Lewis Hamilton and football, we don't see it anywhere else. Phil and Holly have now stopped. GMB have now stopped. And of course, we're just throwing it at at, at football or sport to cure the ills of the world, and Mm. people are absolving themselves of responsibility. Football is the only one wearing badges. Football is the only one that's keeping the the conversation going. And of course, here we are saying that football is lagging behind, which is the complete opposite.
2: So, you actually had some tweets recently talking about the lack of black managers in football. So that was one of the issues that I was. Well, the bigger issue is the
0: lack of the lack of education, housing at the higher, higher echelons of any industry where there's a lack of black representation. So football isn't different to anywhere else. Of course, I happened to be speaking about football last week, but of course I can speak about the media. I can speak about television. I can speak about every industry whereby there's a lack of representation of black people. But of course, once you mention football, everyone else forgets about everything else and say it's a problem in football.
2: So why? Why is that? Do you think? Why, why, why because... is everyone throwing the focus on football then and making it a kind of scapegoat?
0: Because they want to convince themselves that it's the racist football fans who are keeping people down.
2: Right. And
0: they are not racially biased or sexist or homophobic in any way. So, of course, all the, the racists and the homophobes and the sexists are, are football fans. Rather yeah. than, and football fans are probably 1% of the whole population. But, yeah. of course, we're just throwing it at that door and absolving ourselves of responsibility because that's the easy way out. Yeah. Because it's easy to make a scapegoat of the people who have no power whatsoever. And a racist football fan has no power in terms of systemic racism. All he can do is throw a banana on the field when a match is going on, but how is that really affecting black people generally in terms of not being able to get jobs, housing, access to social care? You think a 12-year-old racist fan from Tottenham who, who, who racially abused the Chelsea defender really affects that situation.
2: So you think football's actually doing quite well?
0: Football's not doing well at all, but it's, it's doing exactly the same as everybody else. <laughs> so people are misunderstanding me when I, they think I'm defending football. I'm not. I'm saying football is exactly the same as anyone else. Yeah. But the only people who are getting blamed are football, And of course, every now and again, when a black actor doesn't win an Oscar, we say that, 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 you know, television, we don't have enough representation on television. And lo and behold, what's happened in the last month? How many black faces do we now see on television? Yeah. And Black faces on television represent one, not even one percent of the black community who are still disenfranchised, still not being given opportunities. But we convince ourselves they are because we have more black people on television.
2: So how long have you been talking about this on Twitter? I I couldn't find out when you actually joined Twitter.
0: I've been yeah. talking about this for about thirty years, but of course, I haven't been on Twitter for the last few months. But I've been saying this, and Gary Lineker will tell you because he reminded me on Twitter the conversations I had with him before nineteen ninety about he said that I remember you having this conversation that it's the average person who is racially biased, mm. rather than looking at and, and and when the average person, him included, and all my white friends and the players I played with, say we're not racially biased because we love you and we love Luther Bixit and the other footballers. I say, yeah, but how do you feel about the black people you don't know? And what perception do you have of them? And that's what we have to change. Not the perception of Obama, Beyonce, Idris Elba, Mm. Stormzy. We have to change our perception of the average black person. And that's when we can really say we're changing. Not when we accept the either superior or the acceptable black people into the fold and invite them to the party. And we convince ourselves that we aren't biased at all because we like them. That's not what the problem is.
2: So do you think there are starting to be changes as a result of this year do you think this will will look back and see this as a, a turning point
0: because of George all.
2: Floyd because of Black Lives Matter no you, not you're, you're not tell you why. About it.
0: because you can go back to the Magna Carta where you had an elite group of people trying to get more power for themselves by lobbying the masses to say help me to get more power from the king and I'll help you didn't happen the French Revolution the civil rights movement they've had movements like this before whereby Mm -hmm. what will happen is that you will have a certain group of people black people and women in certain respects who will then get power for themselves because of exactly what's happened now as i said you can see more black people on television but has anything really changed for the masses and it hasn't and this is not people are talking about this feels like a seminal moment it feels different it feels different because it's new to you but if you go throughout history we've had moments like this when we're talking about people becoming equal and a few people have become equal but not for the majority and this has happened before, and it will continue to happen until we start looking at it another way and saying, let's change the perception of the masses, not the perception of the individual. And we've had individual women now being in power. You've got you know, Margaret Thatcher and you know, Theresa May, and you've had individual black people like Obama, but that's not what we have to change.
2: So do you not think, though, that I'm being devil's advocate here, that social media might actually make that change, that perception of the masses? Because a lot of people I've spoken to this year have said the difference this year with the Black Lives Matter movement was the visibility of what happened to George Floyd. The fact that it went viral, the fact that it was seen by millions and millions of people in a way, because everyone's on social media. No one can ignore it. You know, it's yeah. it's and that. You know, if, if we're talking about a mass movement, a, ma- a perception of the masses, everyone is on social media, aren't they? The majority of the population is on social media and they're seeing stuff
0: thrust right. in so their faces.
2: See,
0: right. So if you don't see George, another George Floyd incident, will we convince ourselves that we have equality mm. when we'll still have incarceration of black people. We'll still have stop and search. We'll still have without being killed. We'll still have lack of education, lack of so- access to social care, lack of access to housing, but we don't see any, anybody being killed. And we don't see bananas coming on the field. So we assume that we've got equality. That we've solved it's the, problem. the It's not yeah. the things that we see. It's the things that we don't see. That's mm-hmm. obvious. Those obvious racists aren't the problem. It's the insidious racism that are, that is in, or racial bias, that is in all of us. Very much like sexism. The whole, and I had a, a bit of a spat on Twitter about this thing about the female referee. Sorry, the female lineswoman. Linesperson. And I know that women are disenfranchised and discriminated against. I didn't agree in that particular instance that that was sexist because of what Aguero did. But I actually said that women 100% are discriminated against in football. And the people who are coming out and now having a go at Aguero. How do they see female lines people or female referees? They feel that they're not good enough. But they would never say that. Because if they say that, they'll lose their jobs. They'll get cancelled. So, of course, they then hide behind it. And we wait for the ones who get caught come down hard on the ones who get caught and convince ourselves that everything is okay and you can see how could donald trump ever be president of the united states how many people would come out and say i'm going to support donald trump they wouldn't because they're afraid Mm -hmm. of them being accused of being racist sexist whatever you want to say but they did it so it's not the ones who are obvious and the overt ones who shout from the rooftops it's the others. And why they're like that is because of what life has wrongly shown them about different groups of people be you black, be you woman, be you gay. Life has wrongly told us about the unworthiness of a certain group of people, which has affected us all. It has affected us subliminally, insidiously, and we don't even know about it. So, why, do, like I say, if you're going to go to war, would you rather go to war with a man or a woman? We would never admit it because we'll get canceled. But the truth is, we would all say, I'd rather go to war with a man. But until we're going to admit it, like having a truth and reconciliation like we had in Rwanda, for people to be honest about how they feel, we can't move forward and have the conversation and change. We just wait for the ones who get caught, like Greg Clark, then fire him, cancel him, forget about him, and then say, the world's a better place now.
2: So let's talk about Greg Clark and cancel culture generally. I think you've been quite vocal of your thoughts about what happened. Tell us, do you think he did the right thing?
0: Well, Greg Clark has to decide whether he should go or not. I was never a fan of Greg Clark. I never thought that he was the right man to be heading the FA in terms of from a leadership position, in terms of what's required of it now. However, if you just want to talk about the incident itself, rather than whether he's the right man or not and things he's done in the past and I'll mention those three incidents. The first one, he thinks he's helping because he is actually supporting, he was lobbying social media to come down hard and people who are going to abuse black players and abuse women. Yeah. But he didn't say black players, he said colored. Yeah. So rather than thinking about what he's actually trying to do, he's trying to lobby social media to come down hard on racists who are going to abuse black people and women. But he didn't say black, he said colored. So that conversation is now lost mm. because he said the wrong word. Mm. Secondly, because, of course, he's at a particular time when, and this is, this is obviously more modern than racism when you talk about not so much sexism, but understanding homosexuality. Because, of course, if you're a particular age, you may have a particular feeling as to how gay people are. And he's once again said, and if you listen to what he said, he said he would love it if a gay person would be able to go on the field and say, I'm gay, I'm proud, I'm happy. That's what he said. He then wanted to say, it's a life choice, which it isn't. However, being a particular age and he thinks a particular thing, he's still supporting people supporting gay people. And he said, I want them to be supported by the fans and by their teammates. But because he said it's a life choice, he's now a homophobe. And as far as the sexism goes, in terms of talking about young girls being afraid, he didn't say that young girls are afraid to have the ball kicked at them. He said he spoke to some coaches, and some coaches told him that. But of course, they're saying, Greg Clark said that young girls are afraid to have the ball kicked at them, which he didn't. Mm. So, as I said, I don't believe really that Greg Clark is the right man for the job, but these are conversations that we need to have. And we don't have these conversations because all of those three conversations that should be continued, very much like the Black Lives Matter movement should be continued in conversation of his saw with Pierce Morgan and Susanna and, and, and Phil and Holly for about two weeks. I don't hear them talking about <laughs> it now. This whole idea of the conversation needs to be continued. That conversation is now gone. Similarly to Amber Rudd, when she's trying to help Diane Abbott by saying that it's hard for women in politics, but it's harder for black women in politics. Thank you very much. Let's talk about it. Thank you for mm. talking about how hard it is. But she didn't say black, she said coloured. So that conversation was now lost because in Diane Abbott herself called for her to be sacked because she called her coloured instead of saying, thank you very much for bringing it to the attention. I don't like the word coloured. It shouldn't have been coloured. However, let's talk about it. No one talks about that now because of the wrong words that's being used. So we're cancelling
2: people because of the vocabulary rather than the intention of Absolutely. what they Absolutely. And the biggest one yeah. for me is
0: Liam Neeson. And when I spoke yeah. about Liam Neeson and I said Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson should be the poster boy for anti-racism. And I Tell, tell you our why.
2: listeners what happened I'll because they why. might not know about okay. the incident.
0: Liam yeah. Neeson, I'll, t- I'll tell you the whole thing first. Yeah. Because Liam Neeson is previewing and, and promoting his film. His film is about vengeance and revenge. So they asked Liam Neeson about has, has, has vengeance and revenge ever played a part in your life? He started to talk about when he was in Northern Ireland and of course he was referring to the IRA because he said yeah. about things in the early 70s. But then he stopped himself very quickly because he thought I might get in trouble. And I'll tell a different story about, of course, this going to be more trouble. He then said when he was in his 20s or early 20s or late teens, he said that his cousin was raped. When he found out he was a black man, he said he hated black people. He wanted to kill any black man. Now, that's what he said. That's not all he said. That's what he said for one week yeah so what that's what people heard he wants to kill a black man he's racist what i heard was the question has vengeance negatively had an impact in your life he said yes vengeance has had a negative impact on my life for one week he told the story of what happened and he said for one week he was walking around looking for any black person to kill then Mm -hmm. after one week he realized how terrible it was making him feel how destructive it was to his life how he sought help from the priest he was disgusted with the way he was so ashamed of the way he was, and he sought help, never thought about it again. Now, when people talk about racial bias and how you feel because of what you've been wrongly told about different groups of people, be they women, be they gay, be they black, if for one week you felt not necessarily to kill someone, but you didn't like a black person or a woman or you think that she shouldn't be in a job, and after one week in your 70 years, when in your 20s, you then reassess the truth and the values and what's right for you, as a person, and you go and get help, then you don't think about that again. I think that should be commended, yeah. but people didn't. People didn't hear that. All people heard was he wanted to kill a black person. Mm. Then, when he was even talking about it, the following week, when he was trying to explain himself, and people once again were listening, he then said on television when he was in Times Square, in New York, talking to this black reporter, and she was saying, "But she was trying to help him. She was saying you didn't really want to mean kill any black person." He goes, "Yes, yes, I did." That's how bad it was. That's how terrible I felt. That's how... But she was trying to help him to say, well, not really any black person. He, and he was being honest. Then he said, I really wanted to kill any black bastard. And he said, bastard. Now, obviously, he's going back to how he felt in his 20s. So he just got emotional and said, I wanted to kill. And people interpret that as he's calling black people black bastards now. <laughs> he's mm. even calling. up. <laughs> and of course, if you listen to what he's actually saying, he's condemning him, his former self for one week when he felt that way.
1: Yeah. And
0: of course, what's going to happen now is that if anybody... Ever feels that, well, you know what? I didn't want to kill a black person. But, you know, when a, a woman called a, some, a group of black youths come walking towards me, I feel a bit nervous, so I cross the road and I grip my handbag. Which a lot of women do. Now, I can't tell anyone that. Because look what happened to Liam Neeson. Look what happened to Greg Clark.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: So actually, it might have been quite helpful then if we'd actually really listened to what Liam Neeson was saying again, instead of just cancelling him. um, As with Greg Clark. Yeah, exactly. As with
0: with Diana, as with um, Amber Rudd, as with Liam Neeson and, and so many other people. And until we're able to have these conversations openly and honestly, where people can say how they really feel, nothing will ever be achieved. All we'll do is we'll learn language so as we're not going to get caught, and we'll get some people who understand modern language knowing how not to get caught, but nothing will really change. We'll put some more people, black people on television, we'll put some more women in in these positions of power, visible, so we can see them on television, but nothing will change for 90%, over 90% of women, black people and gays.
2: So you've been talking about this for 30 years. You're now talking about it on social media. You must presumably get a lot of grief for your views. I mean, I've watched, well, once, I've watched some of your Twitter threads. <laughs> so well, I know well, that well, you do. Again,
0: well, once again, it depends what you call grief. I remember as a 17-year-old having been honest thrown on the field, that wasn't grief at all. These were just ignorant people yeah. <laughs> who couldn't affect my life in any way, shape or form. And on Twitter, it's the same thing. And as you say, you talk about you know, Twitter and, and, and the fact that we're now of an age where people can be called out you can see the amount of people on Twitter who actually are the ones who are being racially biased and being sexist because, of course, they're invisible. So Twitter doesn't necessarily help because it allows people to say how they really feel without being held accountable.
2: Yeah, stay anonymous, yeah. So do you get a lot of trolling? Have you had a a lot of, you know, attacks or or does it all just wash off you, as you said? Well, you
0: you know, I'm not the right person to ask because I don't know what trolling is. That's why I get myself in trouble on Twitter because I really don't know how to tweet. I don't know about threads and I don't know about you know, how many characters you can use. So, is trolling are some, uh, Trolling is where people abuse you, I should imagine.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Is that what it is? So, I, yeah. I, I suppose, I, I think I actually do. But, I, they just like, the fans who used to throw bananas at me and racially abuse me, it's water off a dog's back. So, you know, it means nothing. And particularly when it comes to football. And i tell you why. Because a lot of those people are trolling me. If I played for their football club and I scored a trick, they would love me. That's yeah. why I say racism in football is not real. Liverpool fans racially abuse me when I play for Watford. Some, not all of them, obviously. And of course, then when I played for Liverpool against Everton, Everton fans racially abused me. If I played for Everton and scored a hat-trick against Liverpool, they wouldn't. So the whole idea, because football is so tribal, that people would support you no matter what. And that is why, even when I played as a 17-year-old, and I remember being on a coach going down the Holloway Road, and, you know, Arsenal fans, it's because we're playing against Arsenal, so that's why it was the, some of the Arsenal fans were abusing me. As I'm on the coach, having a nice fillet steak with a nice glass of wine, and these fans are on the Holloway Road as we're going up there abusing me, i saw black people on holloway road cowering in the shop windows cowering because of this and nobody speaks for them everyone talks about our difficulties for a football player but i know some of my friends who are black who went to football in the 80s and they had to get to the game five minutes after kickoff so they wouldn't be abused going in and leave five minutes early no one speaks for them
1: Mm.
0: everyone speaks about how hard it is for a millionaire footballer i'm not one but of course i was quite i was confident enough but millionaire footballers now millionaire actors and the black community gets behind these millionaire and these celebrities because they want them to have m- more Oscars and more more power and more managers. We're saying, who's speaking for them? Who's speaking for the fact that you can't even get an education for your son?
2: So talking about millionaire footballers, there are some millionaire footballers that are trying to do their bit. Marcus Rashford, really famously this year, has done a fantastic yeah. job. Do you think footballers could be doing more, could be using their platforms more like you are, like Marcus Rashford is, to actually well, I... you know, change <laughs> society because of the well, positions they've got?
0: Well, I'm not, I'm not going to platform as Marcus Rashford. I, I did 30 years ago when I was a superstar footballer. Of course, they didn't have platforms like these then, so I could use it then and now but I'm a 57-year-old, 16-stone, old fat guy. I don't have much of a platform, but I try my best. I don't know. Marcus you, Rastford, I think I'm you've very got a
2: good platform.
0: <laughs> no, but Marcus Rashford, I'm very proud of. Unfortunately, he plays for the wrong team because what Marcus <laughs> Rashford did, and forget about race. This has to do with inequality for yeah. underprivileged. Yeah, and we talk about, you know, black people generally in the inner city would come under the, that, 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 that group. What he has done is that he has forced policy change in the government overnight by not talking about how terrible it is for black people, Footballers, millionaire footballers, being racially abused. Not talking about the lack of black managers, but talking about inner city kids not being given food. And yeah. what he could have done was, I should imagine he earns about two hundred thousand pounds a week. What he could have done was saying, "Here's, here's two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. You want to feed yourself?" But he didn't because that's only going to, you know, the thing about give a man a fish and you yeah. know, but give a man a net and he can. That's what he did because instead of saying, "This is what I'm going to do: two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, pat myself on the back." He said, no, I'm going to lobby the government to change government policy, which is what he's actually done. So imagine if footballers, instead of talking about how terrible it is about football fans, if, for example, Raheem Sterling, when he gave 250 young kids from Stonebridge Park, that's the area in North London he comes from, where he was yeah. brought up, he's a big knife prime area, gave them cup final or cup semi final tickets for Manchester City, which is great, they can come and enjoy the day. If he took them into a press conference, as he can, and saying, these kids aren't being given an education, access to social care, housing, that's going to help them. The fact that he can give them some cup final tickets or even give them a £100,000 out of his own pocket isn't doing anything. So if footballers use their platform to talk about the communities, then they have a great opportunity now. Because when I was playing, you couldn't say that because no one wanted to listen, it didn't matter. Whereas now you have that platform and you have that clout to actually say that. And that is what I think they should be using it for. Instead of saying, we need more black men in the boardroom, or we need more black managers. Yes, we do. But more importantly, we need to address the situation in our communities. And how we do that is we dismantle racism. Mm. We dismantle racism, meaning that we all have a perception of, as I said, be they women, be they gay, or be they black, because of what we've been wrongly told for two, three hundred years about their worth intellectually and morally, until we dismantle that. And how we dismantle that is to let people know why they think that in the first place. And people will say, well, I don't think that. But they do. From Winston Mm. Churchill to William Wilberforce, he was the abolitionist. William Wilberforce, Thomas Jefferson, all of these people who wanted to abolish slavery, free slaves.
2: Yeah, Thomas Jefferson was a slave owner, wasn't he? He was a slave owner, but what they did
0: was, either from a religious point of view or from an ethical point of view, they knew it was morally wrong to enslave another human. None of them felt that black people were equal. Thomas Jefferson, Mm. William Wilberforce, so while they said, yeah, let's free them, but Thomas Jefferson wasn't about to or abraham lincoln wasn't about to look for equality for black people he just knew that they shouldn't be slaves now what we have to do is we have to think about the intellectual and moral equality of black people because Mm -hmm. the biggest lynching that took place in american history was 30 italians were lynched i think in about 1850 because at that particular time very much like the irish in america they were thought of as being unintelligent uncouth and therefore they were less than so that's why they lynched them. And the Irish were treated in the same way. Something happened for perceptions to change for the Irish and the Italians in America, for them all of a sudden to be seen as equal. Now, there yeah. wasn't any positive discrimination, affirmative action. There wasn't any laws passed. So something happened. Whereas from a black perspective, since the abolition of slavery, we've been looking to pass laws for, for to be seen as equal. We don't. We have to change perceptions, not pass laws yeah that's what we have to do because if you look at the Rooney rule for example I bring a sport in context to this the Rooney rule came about in 2003 17 years ago because there were three coaches black coaches in the NFL Tell me about the
2: Rooney, Roo. sorry, I don't the know Rooney the
1: Rule. sorry the Rooney rule is rules. whereby
0: Rooney rule in America was brought into to sport Americans football particularly because they had a lack of representation of black coaches because they had 60 odd percent black players but no black coaches the so coaches they said wife. you had to then yeah. you had to then Give oh, this coaches, was a shortlist
2: thing, wasn't it? Yes, for yeah, every so you had to give black yeah. coaches
0: a short. Yeah, you had to have yeah. black black coaches on the shortlist to shortlist, be interviewed and blah yeah. blah blah. I remember this. So yeah. of course they think that we need that in England. 2020, there's still only three black coaches. There are no black coaches because until you see them as equal or see them as worthy, see them as being able to do the job rather than being forced to either give them an interview and a job, nothing will change. Because but didn't what that work in is America? Is as soon as they fail, you're going to say, see, they're not up to it, rather than giving them a chance, giving them an opportunity, supporting them, believing in them. So that's what we have to do. We don't have didn't, to pass laws. We have to change perceptions.
2: Didn't that work in America, though? I thought that that rule But in 2020, meant... they've still
0: got three black coaches. And in right, 23, so 2003, what? before the Rooney rule, we had three black coaches. So there are no more black coaches. Right. What happened was that more black coaches were being interviewed.
2: Yeah, but they weren't getting the Or even the more judge. black
0: coaches. But even if they got the job, as soon as they lost two or three games, they were being sacked. Yeah. And that's the point I'm making on Twitter, that black coaches may be given jobs, but they're sacked quicker than the white coaches. Now, on Twitter, people are now saying, yeah, but what about Jurgen Klopp and all of these great white coaches? And are you trying to say you can be as good as them? I don't say that. I say we can be as bad as any coach. Meaning mm-hmm. if there's a white coach who loses matches, A, he doesn't get sacked as quickly as a black coach. And B, he gets a chance again and again and yeah. again and again. He doesn't get blamed
2: because he's white. Yeah.
0: And not only that, he will get another opportunity. And then he'll yeah. lose that, he'll get another opportunity. Whereas there are very few black coaches who get sacked and then they never get another job ever. Yeah. And that is because the perception we have of them to begin with. And the only way we can get rid of unconscious bias is if we bring it into our consciousness first and admit it and understand why we feel that way because of the lies we're told about the black man's worth, a woman's worth, a gay person's worth then we can begin to change it. But we're not even doing that. We're, we're not admitting that we see any differences between women, gays and black. We're all the same. We're all colorblind, which is rubbish.
2: So, I always ask everyone three questions at the end, and I'm just wondering if your answer to one of them <laughs> is going to be kind of listening more. But if you could just say one thing to everyone listening about their habits on social media or their tech habits, would it be about not calling people out? Would it be about, you know, not focusing on the vocabulary but thinking about the intention? What would you say to people? Normal people who are using to normal social people. media. What are you Who are using social people. media, yeah
0: whether you're using social media or not, but if you want to talk about social media, is that instead of looking and judging people and saying how terrible Liam Neeson is, look at yourself and be honest with yourself as to whether you really do believe in equality. And not for the black people, the women or the gay people you know. Think about the average black person, the average gay, the average woman, and say, do you see us worthy as a white middle class man in terms of leadership positions? And the answer, if you're honest with yourself, would be no.
2: And maybe not be so quick to jump on all the Black Lives Matter hashtags without actually making trying to make a change well once again
0: when you once again you look at the 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 black lives matter um and we talk about george floyd and we're talking about Lewis hamilton we talked about john barnes or whoever you want to talk about there were 400 girls that were taken from nigeria more than 10 years ago
1: no one talks about that so
0: which black lives matter it seems that the black lives that matter are the ones who are either killed by the police or who can't get an oscar or who can't get a manager's job are those the black lives that matter when you have, and I'm not blaming Africa, because of course, from a colonial point of view, there are obviously nuances around why things are the way they are, or the black inner cities in in, 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 in the Western world. But it seems that if you're killed by a knife crime by another black man, your life doesn't matter. But if you're killed mm. by a racist man in the street who is white, your life matters.
2: Mm. Yeah, very relevant in London, when you think about all the knife crime we've got as well.
0: It's relevant um, everywhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So do you, how do you get a balance, John, with everything you do online, on Twitter and the real world? Because <laughs> um, well, I've seen I'll some of your that... threads going on and yeah. on and on.
0: And I think you're spending yeah. a long
2: time doing it's it. Di- do
0: you... well, it's difficult because, of course, you, 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 you either have to be binary. Everything is either racist or nothing's racist. And with me, as I talk about racism and when I you know, speak my truth in terms of how I perceive things to be for football managers. But then I can look at a situation like Liam Neeson. You have to look at everything, every incident by itself, like the Greg Clark situation. Everyone thinks I'm a Greg Clark fan. I'm not. But I'm talking specifically about the three things he actually said and what he was trying to do. And the language and the
2: intention. And the language you use and
0: the intention. And that's why the intention is the thing. Because, for example, you still have the NWACP, National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People in America. That's a black organisation. They don't get criticised for for staying coloured. And in America, my sister's lived there, I'm from Jamaica, I've been going to America since I was born, calling black people coloured is unacceptable. So for the NAACP to still have that, how come no one criticises them? But of course, a white man says coloured and of course he then has to be cancelled. So that is why you have to have balance around what Mm -hmm. we're actually doing.
2: So how do you get balance? How do you get balance between making sure that you're, you know, you're raising awareness of this all the time on social media and making sure you get a bit of a head break <laughs> from it all. Because as you say, you've been digging it and, for 30 and, years.
0: And racism, sexism or homophobia is not personal to the individual. It's about the group of people. I had a conversation on Twitter about black managers. And then I also then said, white English managers are discriminated against. White English managers. Because when there's a job
2: oh, yes, I saw for, that. for a you Premier League club, yeah, when it was a job goes for to a Premier forum. club, it's going to European. go to a fine manager yeah, yeah. because
0: of the perception we have of white English managers and their ability to do the job but unfortunately because we're so and tribal that people when it affects them be it a woman she'll go yes there is sexism but I don't believe that there's racism just to give yeah. you an example sorry to go on a bit but just to give an example no, no,
2: no,
0: do, do. there was a female journalist sorry sports journalist who came to an interview with me about the lack of black managers and I said to her there are only two possibilities. I and mean, we know female journalists in sports are underrepresented and they are discriminated against because people don't believe that they know much about football, which is, and people never admit that, but they have wrongly been taught that. So yeah. I would admit it because this is where I've been conditioned to think, but because I accept it I acknowledge it, I'm working to change it. And the only way you can change it if you accept it to begin with. So I said to this woman about the only two reasons why there a lack of black managers, either they're being discriminated against or they're not good enough. They're yeah, the only two reasons. And I said, which one it is, is it? Yeah. And she said, there could be a third. I said, what's the third? She said, maybe they don't want to be managers. And I said, oh, right, yeah. A bit like women don't want to be sports journalists. And of course, she, she all of a sudden cut down to what I was saying because she would then say that that women aren't, aren't being given an opportunity to be sports journalists. And people say to her, well, maybe women don't want to be sports journalists, which she would not mm-hmm. accept. But she threw that in when it came to race because if it doesn't affect us, we always believe that it's an excuse. But for me, I understand discrimination generally based on what we've wrongly been told and taught. You've had women in history who were leaders and generals and, and politicians. And, but of course, that's not what, we, what we've been told. Is women are just, you know, good in the kitchen and, and, and in the bedroom. That's what yeah. we have been wrongly told for hundreds of years. Whereas that's not the truth. The truth is you've had women generals and leaders and politicians and government officials for thousands of years. But that hasn't been the narrative. So once again, this is how perception works based on what we have been wrongly told about them.
2: John, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. This is not a subject that we're we're going to solve in a 40 minute podcast.
0: Unfortunately, we're not going to solve it in 40 years until people start taking responsibility and accepting it within themselves. I speak at Oxford University, I speak at banks and I start every talk by saying, holding my hand up and saying, I am an unconsciously biased person. Slightly sexist, slightly homophobic. Slightly racially biased based on what I've been wrongly told about different groups of people. Anybody else? No, we believe in equality. Yeah. Until, like in Rwanda with the Hutu and the Tutsis, you have a truth and reconciliation where you put your hand up and you're honest, nothing will change. If you're going to be an... Al- uh, an the first thing about uh, getting not being an alcoholic anymore is the whole and say to I'm to an admit. alcoholic.
2: Yeah, you don't say, oh, I could drink yeah. now
0: and again and I don't really need it, I can handle it. So we, we're all racially biased. We're all sexist to a certain degree. But we assume because we would never racially abuse anybody in the way football fans do or throw bananas on the field we are not racist or biased in any way or sexist
2: and actually that's such a good analogy that the Alcoholics Anonymous one because actually it's in listening to other people talking about how they've struggled that people get better and you know if we don't listen to people like Liam Neeson saying this is something I went through I pulled myself up and I realized you know we're not going to learn are we so, absolutely. I mean,
0: look at the response of Liam Neeson. Who else is going to yeah. come up and say anything like that now?
2: Never again. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Anyway. John,
2: thank you so much. You've been absolutely brilliant. It's a brilliant. pleasure.
0: Thank you very much. All the best.
2: Su- yeah, such a pleasure. Thanks. Bye.
0: Okay, thanks. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at All Good Bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit
1: itstimetologoff.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.